The Caribbean Premier League 2020 is here and this is the most comprehensive preview you will find. I'm Karthik Ayer, this is ESPN Quick Info Stump Mike and today we look at the return of franchise T20 competition. We take an in-depth look at all six CPL franchises, pick out our favourites and make predictions that you can hold us to once it is all done. See you on the other side. So we're a few days away from a most unusual T20 tournament and this is likely to be an unusual preview as well. But what we have done is to make you feel comfortable listener, we've got extremely familiar voices in, in the T20 circuit on this podcast, on this Stump Mike special where we will preview the Caribbean Premier League 2020. First up is T20 aficionado Matt Roller, who's, who's so looking forward to all the T20 action from the Caribbean Premier League. He can't wait for the blast to begin. He's in fact, he's even forgotten that Australia are flying over to England for a few T20s as well. Yeah, thanks for having me. I, uh, I've been one of the few people lucky enough to actually go to some live cricket since uh, since the start of the lockdown. And after uh, after watching Ireland's run chase, I can't wait for a bit of white ball cricket to, to be back. We also have with us, of course, if we do a part about 2020 cricket here on Stump Mike, we can't do one without Gaurav Sundaraman. Even if we don't invite him, somehow he'll land up on our podcast recording software when he knows that T20 tournament is at hand. Gaurav, how much are you looking forward to the Caribbean Premier League? Very much because it's a, a T20 league after a very long time, uh, a tournament which actually uh, has a lot of good quality and followed uh, uh, by a lot of people, I think after the IPL. So uh, looking forward to it. And finally, on this podcast, we have Devarayan Muthu, who's a T20 star in his own right. Deva, this is not CSK and the IPL, but we hear you are a big, big fan of the Caribbean Premier League. Yeah, pretty much, Gaurav. I mean, uh, uh, sorry, Karthik. As Gaurav said, said, like, I mean, it's one of the top leagues again, probably second to the IPL. And I mean, like, even though Gale isn't playing in this season, like, there are several other stars to look forward to. So I'm glad to be here as always. You know what's amazing, Matt? It's the fact that we're going to have a T20 tournament, a proper franchise league without crowds. Now, from what I remember, this format was based on the fact that we attract more crowds in, in, into stadiums and it's extremely viewer-friendly. Yeah, the, the CPL strapline is famously the biggest party in sport, which I'm not sure uh, whether that stands up when there's no one there to see it. Um, and there's especially going to be some weird ones where there's a load of um, t- games being played at 10 a.m. local time, which is sort of unashamedly... Uh, to try and get as many uh, fans in the subcontinent to watch TKR games as possible. Um, so there's, there's, it's going to be surreal for sure. But um, I think that, that, that they have a few things planned from what I understand with regards sort of uh, fake fan noise and uh, boundary music as much as possible that will hopefully uh, keep us entertained as much as possible. Gaurav, that makes sense, doesn't it, to have games early so that we in the subcontinent also can catch probably one game of the of the day obviously you and i will be working on the matches we'll probably be staying awake till the wee hours of the morning but for for a regular fan it's great that there is cpl action starting probably at 7 p.m 7 30 p.m indian standard time um yes cpl did try this experiment i think three uh three or four years ago or uh, was it even earlier maybe yeah i remember watching uh antica antigua Hawkbills when they were part of the CPL that time they had uh, matches at 7:30 to for some reason to uh, get the Indian audience going but it didn't work out because the crowds actually didn't come uh, for those games in uh, in the West Indies so uh, 
now with no crowds, I think they want to bring that back. And uh, obviously this year being um, a pandemic year, and uh, I think they're pretty much sure that there will be a lot of following. Um, what I heard uh, from a few sources there was originally they didn't uh, have too many takers in terms of broadcasting as well uh, in uh, India and then finally now Star has picked it up and uh, that's great. So I'm sure uh, they, they, the way they're going to cover the game uh, will attract more people to watch from um, uh, at home. In fact, I also heard that uh, they're going to be having Hindi commentary uh, to get the Indian uh, audience up and running. So uh, yeah, it's a more strategic move. With no crowds, I think it's okay. So listener, there you have it. Our friends at Star Sports will be broadcasting all the games of the Caribbean Premier League 2020 in Hindi commentary as well. And also, of course, if you come on ESPN Quick Info, we'll have coverage of every single ball, all the action that happens throughout the entire tournament. Now, the facts of the tournament are this. It's going to take place from August 18th to September 10th. It's going to be hosted by Trinidad. 33 matches, which is 30 group stage games, two semi-finals and a final. Deva, have I missed anything out? I mean, all spot on, mate. But uh, I mean, as a follow-up to what Gaurav said, like for me, like a CPL without crowd is extremely strange for me. One of the reasons I look forward to the CPL is that fun atmosphere, like so many people around, and especially the games at uh, Guyana and Trinidad, like they attract a lot of crowds and fans as such. I, I still remember one of the games last year where uh, Shimron Hitmeyer went berserk and they were people wearing Hetmeyer for president t-shirts and I mean those are probably one of my more enduring memories of watching CPL the crowd so I mean it'll still be pretty strange to not see a crowd at a tournament which prides on crowd like the CPL. Having been lucky to have actually watched a CPL match from Trinidad from the venue I can really vouch for what they were saying uh, Trinidad especially is one of the great places to watch a T20 game. Uh, the kind of party atmosphere, I don't think I, I, you can even come close to any ground in India. So, uh, yeah, they were, the crowds definitely will be missed. And there was also that famous game last year where Brandon King got his 100 for Guyana, where um, I think Johan Bota, the coach, was pretty much reduced to tears because of how sort of emotional the whole thing was with people waving their Guyanese flags in the stands and full house and everything. And I think after, you know, it wasn't always the case that the CPL had full houses, but it has sort of, you know, uh, flourished and come into its own after after several years, I think. You know what, guys, you're not making a case for CPL 2020. You're telling us oh, what great fan atmosphere the Caribbean Premier League usually has. No, so I was just coming to that. So we have seen a lot of test cricket now uh, over the last uh, couple of months without crowds. And I think it's been okay. We are used to watching test cricket without crowds in a way, apart from maybe England and Australia. So I think we are still uh, got used to that. But I'm very, very curious to see. It's a great... Uh, uh, what do you say, curtain riser for the IPL in terms of uh, how people actually lap up T20 cricket without crowds. And that's where the quality of the game uh, matters a lot, which is why I think IPL will do way, way, way better than the CPL. Uh, CPL, unfortunately, lost a lot of very good uh, overseas stars who were supposed to play. And uh, a lot of teams, in fact, I think uh, uh, St. Lucia's uh, top four pick, which they picked in the draft, none of them are actually there now. So, uh, I think the stars, the quality of cricket becomes very important now. And the more the stars you have, uh, I think uh, T20 will still uh, be a very enjoyable format to watch without crowds. But that's the test which I think CPL will have this time. If you uh, The challenge is uh, like something which we've already mentioned. It's going to be played in just two venues. And one venue has 23 matches. Uh, so 
if the quality of cricket, the sixes are going to come down, if it's going to be slow and low-scoring games. So, low-scoring games. We are regular listeners of this podcast will know for a fact that Gaurav is in love with low-scoring thrillers, as he puts it. So, that's something to look forward to in the CPL. But let's talk about the quarantine measures in place. Matt, you've seen it in England for two test series in a row now. First against the West Indies and now England playing Pakistan. Is it set up in a similar way in the Caribbean, in Trinidad and Tobago? Yeah, I mean, obviously, the, the key difference is the fact that you've got six teams rather than two. Um, and also the fact that the hotel that they're all staying in is sort of in Port of Spain rather than attached to the grounds uh, like it is in the UK. So they're, they're all staying in the in the Hilton in town. And I think the plan is to... Uh, get two coaches out to the Brian Lara Oval for, for the games that are there. From what I can gather, it seems as though um, the first week of quarantine for players that were coming from overseas was particularly strict in Trinidad. Um, so I don't know if anyone would have seen the pic, the sort of uh, clips on social media of people like Chris Green and Carlos Brathwaite doing sort of workouts in their room where they, they weren't allowed to leave the hotel room at all. So they were sort of running back and forth from one side of the um, you know, from one wall to the door or whatever, which was a little bit crazy. Um, but yeah, I think from now, after they've done that week and all tests have been negative um, to date, I think that there's, you know, things will start feeling a bit more normal at least and a bit more like, um, you know, you're just locked up in a room. And you've got to remember as well, a lot of these players will have played in leagues like the, the Bangladesh Premier League, where you're probably not going out and eating out and, uh, you know, having team meals after a win or whatever. You probably are confined to a hotel room for a lot of it um so i don't think it's necessarily too different um obviously there might be a bit more a, a bit of a strange atmosphere to it but um touch wood everyone's safe so far and uh yeah long may that continue matt one important point uh, which you have missed is the fact that trinidad players are not in technically in quarantine so how much of an advantage do you think it will play uh, in terms of their performance i don't know about their training uh, 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 in, whether they've managed to train a lot or not but do you think that they started an advantage and uh, obviously we saw Darren Sammy's tweet and um, I think it's not fair right so you're saying God of that the Trinidad players obviously who are based in Trinidad and if my uh, understanding is correct a lot of them play for the Trinbago Knight Riders as well so it's the likes of Kyron Pollard Bravo both the Bravos, Sunil Narayan, Simmons have not been under that one week quarantine and have therefore been allowed to train is that it? they've not been part of the bubble. I don't think they're staying at the Hilton. So they've not been part of the bubble. They've been outside. And I also saw Sammy talk about a T10 league with some players are actually playing. Though I haven't really seen uh, uh, any pictures or any uh, videos of those players playing. But I'm sure that they are training and um, they are practicing. So I just felt that it, it is a bit unfair. Yeah, I think it, I think it's the sort of marginal advantage, isn't it? Um, especially because of the fact that, well, in the first instance, TKR are probably one of the two favourites along with Guyana. Um, they look like they have a pretty strong squad. Then they have all those local based players. Um, also, as it happens, they've they've sort of been the team that's been completely unaffected by the various um, players pulling out. So you've had the you know you had South African players, most of them pulled out. Uh, Gurney and Hales, the two English guys, pulled out. Then there were a few local things. So there was the thing where um, uh, Dennis Bully, the left-arm spinner, who was going to play for uh, the Patriots, had to pull out because he tested positive. And then two guys, uh, McCarthy and Royal, who had been training with him, also pulled out because they'd been training with him and two close contact. So there's been this whole spate of people pulling out for various reasons. And TKR have been the only team that are unchanged. So I think definitely, you know, you'll never get a level playing field in this kind of franchise league in the first place. 
Um, but I think definitely TKR do have some kind of slight advantage this year. So I was looking up at some numbers and the Trinbago Knight Riders T20 match experience is 2,410 games. And that is greater than Barbados and Guyana put together. Together, both the teams, they're coming to about 2,100 uh, odd games. So that's a huge advantage. I don't think you will see that kind of experience in uh, any other uh, franchise league. Mm-hmm. So before we get to a team-by-team preview, a couple of things on why the quarantine rules have been so, so strict. Of course, Trinidad and Tobago closed its borders to even other countries in the Caribbean region, which means that the non-TNT players are the first ones to arrive in this country since lockdown. All players had to come via charter flights, and this spelt bad news, Matt, for the Patriots' Fabian Allen. Yeah, I, I, I honestly could not believe this story when I was sort of chasing up on what, what had happened. I assumed that because Allen is from Jamaica and would have potentially been training with Dennis Bully, I thought I was sort of putting putting two and two together and getting five and thinking in my head, oh, he must have pulled out for COVID-related reasons. And I sort of sent a couple of messages and took a couple of calls and then suddenly realised that he'd somehow managed to uh, managed to be late for his internal flight from, uh, I think it was from Jamaica to Barbados and then had missed the charter plane from Barbados to Trinidad um, because there are currently no commercial flights happening at the moment. Uh, th- there's no way of getting in. So Alan is, is stuck stuck at home. I saw him post on Instagram the other day a, a photo of him looking sad and then him training in his, his Patriots uh, on his bike at home. And I thought, you poor guy. Yeah, <laughs> Admittedly, it's, it's pretty unprofessional and it's not exactly brilliant, but uh, you've got to feel sorry for him in that case. <laughs> yeah, it's the stuff of nightmares, isn't it? You'll, you'll never hear of this again. We have to have a word, Deva, on Chris Gale. Chris Gale is is arguably T20's biggest star possibly ever and he will not be playing in in this tournament. How big a miss will it be for the Caribbean Premier League or do you look at it as a chance to find some new stars from the region? I mean, needless to say, it's a big miss and more so for a casual fan. Uh, Gale was supposed to play for St. Lucia Zooks again. Then again, I'm, I'm pretty happy to see the other guys who missed last year come back and like, Rashid Khan was not playing last season because he signed up for the Euro T20 Slam, which eventually didn't get underway last year. It's not happening this year as well. So Rashid is back and Chris Lynn is back as well. And I am particularly excited to see this New Zealand contingent. I don't think there's been like this strong New Zealand contingent in the CPL before. And one of the guys I'm really looking forward to, Mitchell Sackner, one of those Kiwis who doesn't really get the sort of credit he deserves and probably one of the gun and finger spinners going around. So, Mitchell Sattler and Rashid Khan and Barbados Tridents, that's enough reason for me to look forward to the CPL. Can I just say quickly on Gale that I think the, the biggest shame of him pulling out is that we'll, we'll, we may never get to see the gale rakim Cornwall partnership that we wanted at the top of the St. Lucia Zooks order. Like, can, you, <laughs> can you imagine those guys? It would have been something else. They would have scored literally every single run in boundaries. I just wanted to add is to appreciate uh, a lot of these players in uh, one regard that one of the earlier uh, rules which the CPL had set up is even the franchises, all the players need to take a pay cut. Uh, I think it's 25% pay cut, which is why guys like Gale couldn't uh, uh, really didn't want to play for a much lower price. And there have been some few players who have opted out. 
but because of the price but there are a lot of people who are willing to play and who want to be part of this league so uh, kudos to them to actually come all the way to the caribbean from various places we saw uh, south african players opting out because they just couldn't fly even though they badly wanted to play so uh, yeah so they have taken a pay cut and they're still playing which shows what uh, these uh, leagues mean to them that's fantastic so let's start going team by team and we'll continue with you gorav because we'll start with the trinbago night riders now probably the biggest thing that has happened to them has been the permanent captaincy switch with polar taking over the reins on a full time basis yeah so uh, that's been uh, part of this um, uh, they've been part of this setup for quite some time and uh, especially bravo narain and uh, polar's been there from last year so uh, see i always put them as favorites every single time every single i think the last two seasons we've had the cpl preview pod i put in trinbago as the favorites purely because of experience the way the franchise is run the kind of uh, players they have the tactics they have brendan mccallum as a coach uh, they obviously have more uh, funding than most of other people most of the, the other franchise they actually uh, put cpl out on the world map there so uh, they do have that huge advantage so uh, they like i remember an incident in 2015 so i think narain was playing for uh, guyana and uh, next year uh, the moment uh, the kkr franchise came in narain was uh, uh, playing for tkr so that's the kind of clout they have so uh, like i told you as a start it's not a very um, a level playing field but we did see last year how uh, uh, good teams also get beaten uh, they made the playoffs but they lost so uh, yeah with bravo polad narain uh, and polad's a great captain he's a very astute captain he has a impressive record uh, uh, with uh, barbados tridents earlier uh, with st lucia it was not that good but and he's the west indies captain so uh, yeah. i think they are a very very strong team they have a bunch of great spinners i recently read a tweet i think from freddy wildy uh, where he said there's a 18 year old jaden sirs and there's a 48 year old pravin tambe in the same team that is going to be super rare i don't see any team having 30 years difference between your youngest player and the oldest player so uh, they have wide variety they have good spinners in fawad uh, ahmed and uh, sunil narain so yeah very very hard to look pa- uh, past them matt do you echo those sentiments particularly with the fact that tkr may have snuck in those few extra training sessions before things kick off yeah i think so they they look like they have a deep squad as well um just sort of look, looking around obviously there's a lot of fixtures in a short space of time there's quite a lot of double headers so there might be a bit of rotation here and there um and sort of looking at their squad you know i think people like tambe and ali khan and anderson philip might not be first choice um but they they would be good enough to get into several other teams um it'll be interesting to see what they do with their sort of overseas balance um i i assume that um munro and cypher will both play um and i assume that forward armad will start and then the other one is then a choice between tambay and raza for the fourth spot um sekander raza the sort of the zimbabwean all-rounder who, who uh, trots around various franchise leagues um but depending on what they want to do they could bowl a lot of spin because obviously there's tambay and forward but there's also narain and carry pierre um so they could they could be a, a sort of guyana last year and that they bowl you know 14 16 overs of spin if they want to um and we think that both the both the pitches that are used because they use so much as much as anything else are going to take spin this year um and then yeah on the batting front they they look very good you just look look down that list of 
list of names in their squad and it's just full of experience, as Gaurav said. So, yeah, I think they probably do start as favourites. Deva, explain this Praveen Dampe draft, draft to us. Yeah? I mean, he's 48 years old. By any measure, he should not be playing cricket at a professional level. But due credit to him. I mean, of course, due credit to him for still, I mean, putting in the hard yards at 48. And, of course, there's been a, a few concerns about, I mean, there's been a few questions directed at him, like, uh, he, he he was initially picked up by KKR, uh, the other Knight Riders franchise in the Indian Premier League, and and later uh, I mean he had retired, uh, and and since he had also been part of a T10 league, which is an unsanctioned league, so he retired and then he had to be part of TKR. There's been questions raised whether it is to rouse the Indian audience as such with all these uh, uh, 7:30 p.m. prime time India starts and picking up the first Indian in the auction. Deva, I get the fact that it starts at 7.30. That's great. Is Praveen Tambe really attracting an Indian audience though? I mean, I, I really don't think so, but uh, there's been a few questions about that. I'm, I'm not sure if, you know, somebody like a Praveen Tambe, 48-year-old, could make a difference. And I would rather go for somebody like Sikandar Raza, as Matt had pointed out. But, I mean, still due credit to him, of course. I think Vanky Mysore, who's the, the CEO of the Knight Riders, has sort of unashamedly said that they, they do want to target that Indian audience. And I guess this is where it would be so great if the BCCI would sort of relax their rules a little bit and we could get a few more players um, sort of coming towards the ends of their careers. I remember during the uh, Ahead of the 100 draft last year, there was the, the big saga about Harbhajan Singh when um, we sort of broke the news that he was part of the draft list and uh, it very quickly had to withdraw when he when he realised that he, he might be putting his IPL contract at risk. But I think a few players actually have spoken during lockdown. Suresh Raina, Robin Utaper were talking about it, um, about how great it would be for them at their stage of their career to, to go and play a few extra leagues. And yeah, it, w- it would be brilliant if we could see a couple of those guys in the CPL. But yeah, I suppose we could probably do a whole podcast on that. So <laughs> maybe maybe best to park it. So Matt, name the one standout player from Trinbago Knight Riders. Um, well, I suppose Pollard is probably the, the obvious choice. I would say that um, it, it's one thing that's a shame is that he's going to move off the amazing set of statistics he currently has, which is 500 matches and 10,000 runs, both completely round. Um, which is some of, some of the most beautiful stuff for someone who likes their T20 numbers. Um, but yeah, I think he's he's crucial. He's still such a gun batsman, even at um, his age. And yeah, I think he's he, he brings so much as a leader as well. Um, so yeah, Pollard for me. Gaurav, I'm a big fan of Sikandar Raza. So I'll give you the opportunity if you'll say Raza's name. Yeah, okay. For your sake, I'll do that. But uh, <laughs> again, it's very hard to see uh, who they play. And again, Sikandar Raza... Uh, he opt, uh, he brings a lot to the team, definitely. But uh, again, new experience for him. And uh, I don't know whether he would uh, start every game and he would get the opportunities uh, uh, he needs because there are a lot of other uh, better players like uh, Tim Seifert and Colin Munno who've had a lot of uh, uh, hitting capabilities. So I, I think it's more to do with the balance. And you do have the Bravo brothers in there as well. So we could actually see Dwayne Bravo uh, almost bad way down at around 8 9 uh, in this lineup so you can imagine how strong this lineup could be so yeah uh, my player to watch out for uh, unfortunately is not sikandar raza but jaden Searles. so jaden is a left hand batsman uh, and a right arm fast bowler uh, so i think it's going to be interesting to see how he performs again whether he gets enough chances we don't know uh, let's see 
Okay, so Deva, we'll start the next team with you that we're previewing, which are the Guyana Amazon Warriors. I mean, and we asked this year on year, it seems like it, and they have lost five finals. Is it finally their year? I mean, stranger things have happened than Guyana Amazon Warriors possibly winning a final. And this is a uniquely strange tournament in 2020, isn't it? Yeah, pretty much strange. Like, will they be six-time lucky? That's the question Like everybody's been asking them. I, I put up a similar question to Ross Taylor as well when I spoke to him recently and he just laughed it off. There was never an answer and, you know, that's the only question that everybody's going to ask them. I mean, I would put them down to make the knockouts every time, but they can can they break the curse this time? I, I mean, I don't know, but they still do have a strong squad on paper, of course. Like, they have extremely great middle order. I mean, you just can't look past Nicholas Puran and... Shimron Hitmeyer, like two of the most exciting batsmen I've watched in any format, any league. So, but uh, again, like there are some questions thrown at Ross Taylor. So he's, he's he's played a lot of internationals, a lot of games for New Zealand as well. But like he's sort of not been able to finish off those games recently in the CPL when he was part of Jamaica and St. Lucia. And I think he's been part of PPR before as well. So there are quite a few questions over his role, whether he can sort of fit into such a dynamic middle order. And of course, like Spin, Imran Tahir, he, he's going to keep running all the way. He's going to run from Guyana next to UAE for Chennai. So, I mean, they've, they've got really, really good spinners there. And I mean, of course, fast bowling is also pretty decent as well. There's this Afghanistan guy, Naveen Ulhaq and Romario Shepard, is somebody who can hit the deck. So, I mean, like, again, I, they pretty much have the squad. But again, the question again is, Six-time lucky, will they? Yeah, the, one of the interesting things about Taylor's role, actually, is the fact that he's he's basically filling in for what Shoa Malik did last year, which is to bat four and sort of be the glue or whatever. But in a lot of ways, this will sound ridiculous because they won all but one game last season. But I actually think they they screwed up their their um, batting order quite a lot, and they didn't they didn't make very good use of all the resources they have. I think Puran and Rutherford, who are both you know IPL guns and some of the best number five and six type options in the world. Um, maybe that's a maybe that's a bit overstating it with Rutherford, but Puran definitely. I think they faced something like 215 balls between them in the tournament last year, which is nothing. Um, so so Taylor needs to make sure that while he sort of is the the level head, the glue that holds everyone together in the middle, he doesn't sort of eat up balls and end up striking at 110 when there's and, and using up balls that other players could face. Um, just the other point I was going to make um, from what David was talking about um, with the, the fact that they're, you know, they're, they're a good bet to make the knockouts. It's worth reflecting on the fact that the knockout system is actually a bit different this year, I think, because of the fact that they, they want to minimise the games and because they want as many double headers as possible. But previously, it's been the sort of IPL style qualifiers and eliminators. But this year, it's semis and final, which in a six team league. Is, is very open because, you know, last year you saw how random that can be when Barbados sort of snuck in in third or fourth, I think, in the group stage and then ended up winning the final. Um, but it's, it, it's even more weird this year where you, you could quite feasibly have the top three teams way out in front of everyone else, someone sneaking into fourth place, and then they're, suddenly they're two games away from, from winning the tournament. So there is quite a lot of randomness in there. So I think... Um, sort of as as long as you are are building up at the at the back end, I think it doesn't matter too much how you go to start with. You can kind of take a couple of games to work out your combination if you need to. 
Um, and then if you sort of have that that back end that we've seen in so many teams have in various franchise tournaments, where you really sort of build momentum towards the back end of a tournament and, and are on a bit of a winning streak going into the knockouts, that's the crucial bit. So I think it's not too important if Guyana don't don't start as brilliantly as they, they have in recent years. They just need to find that sort of way that they can peak at the right time in the semis. And uh, a couple of points uh, with respect to Guyana. Uh, they usually build their team uh, for their home location, which is very slow. And they used to uh, play a lot of spinners. So now they don't have a home location. Most of the all the matches are going to be held in Trinidad. So how does, how does that affect their setup? How does that affect their plans is something we need to see. And the other most important thing is um, uh, they're playing nine night matches out of the ten which is uh, completely, it's a very lopsided schedule because of the uh, uh, because they had to cater to the Indian audience. Trinbago plays uh, eight games at uh, eight day games. St. Lucia play about seven day games, whereas uh, Guyana play nine games in the night. So uh, I have very little idea about what the due would be like at this time of the year. But if there is due and if it's going to affect uh, uh, the spinners, uh, then it's going to be hard. So... All these small challenges which may not be seen uh, on the outside, but the scheduling is pretty lopsided. And then the, the the one extra point on that is that it's raining quite a lot in Trinidad at the moment. And I think that's going to affect the day games especially because it will generally rain in the middle of the day. So potentially that could actually end up being an advantage for them um, in that they might actually get all their game or the majority of their games completed, whereas TKR and, and the Zoo could potentially lose, um, you know, four or five games to the weather. So Gaurav... Going back to what you said about their team, so why weren't Guyana then more active in the draft? People have learned from various T20 leagues that you don't want to change a winning combination. You don't want to change something that a plan is very successful. So I'm sure that they, they were really good. Like uh, Matt said, it's the one-odd game. It's the final hurdle. That that does happen. So it's happened for quite some time now for Guyana though. But uh, yeah, so I, it's just a simple fact that you want to retain your same plans. You want to retain your core and you want to see what happens. And um, I'm sure they'll stick to the same plan that they had last year, which... See, they did win most of their games, so uh, you can't fault their plans. But certain things went their way. Uh, uh, stuff like Chris Green, uh, you know, he's he was called for uh, his action, and he's. I, uh, we have to see how he does now. Uh, he is a very very gun bowler for them, and we'll have to see how he goes about things. So there are a lot of changes in one year, and the venue, like I mentioned. So yeah, maybe they should have been uh, more active in the draft, but. I guess they don't want to change too much of uh, uh, what's uh, went right for them. Deva, personally, I'm extremely excited to see Ross Taylor in the CPL. Now, previously on this podcast, you have expressed your reservations about Taylor. How well or badly do you think he's going to perform this season? I mean, ideally, I would love to want the Ross, the boss, the RCB Ross Taylor back. But at 36, 37, I seriously doubt we'll ever see that Ross, the boss, back. But... I mean, if you could at least strike at 140 or something, sort of rotate around Shimron and Rutherford and Puran, the other three gun batsmen, and not sort of eat up too many dots, as Matt previously mentioned, I think he'll, he'll still do well. But I mean, you just can't afford to eat up too, too much dots. But I think that Ross the boss is gone, man. 
the, the problem, Karthik, is a good question what you asked. The problem which will end up happening for teams generally, I've noticed a lot, is uh, suddenly reputation comes into the picture, right? Ross is a, a great player for New Zealand. So what happens is the problems which Matt was stating will exactly again happen because uh, you don't want to uh, upset an international player. You don't want to send him at number seven or number six. So you would end up sending him at number four and that might that might mean Puran and Rutherford get lesser balls. And and it, it might take three, four matches for Ross to fail for them to realize whether uh, this works or not. So these are small things. Sometimes reputation takes over. The fact that he's a, a New Zealand legend uh, uh, comes into the picture. And so that's why these roles and these uh, exact uh, uh, tasks, what each player has to do, needs to be very clear. Matt, at the beginning of this podcast, Deva mentioned that there was a trend of Hetmeyer for president going around. Uh, it seems like everyone is being anointed president these days or wants to run for, uh, to be president. But in this Guyana team, do you see Hetmeyer carrying that that trend on or who are the other standout players that you're most looking forward to? Yeah, there's 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 actually loads of interesting sort of mini storylines within that team this year because firstly, Hetmeyer, we didn't get to see on the test tour of England because he obviously didn't travel for personal reasons. Um, so it'll be good to see him again. But he also has had a relatively... Um, I guess quiet 12 months or so since he sort of burst out with those uh, performances in India a, a, a while ago. Um, then Brandon King at the top of the order is another one who, who sort of not quite kicked on since his breakout CPL last year. Um, then I think the the other guy that, that will be interesting to see how he goes, um, who, who I've only really seen the odd bit of YouTube footage of, uh, is Naveen Hack, who David did a, a very good interview with about six months ago, I think, who's sort of this this like young Afghan quick. I think he's 20 or 21. And he's got this kind of slingy action, almost like a sort of, almost like Boomer on release, where he's sort of got these hyperextension elbows or something like that, but he and a huge array of slowables. So yeah, interesting to see a bit more of him if he gets a chance. The Afghan Bumrah, that has a nice ring to it. Okay, so we're done there with the Guyana Amazon Warriors. Matt, we're going to stick with you for the defending champions, the Barbados Tridents. You are extremely impressed by their spin attack. Yeah, it's really quality. I mean, if you're sort of thinking a world 11 of spinners, it's not miles off what you'd want in terms of Rashid Khan, uh, Mitchell Santner and Hayden Walsh Jr. They might even play a fourth in Ashley Nurse. Um, they they really could bowl 16 overs of spin, which is the sort of the key number that no one ever seems to dare go past. Um, they had a really weird season last year, actually, because they I, I was pretty unimpressed by them for the most part. They had the marquee pick of the whole tournament in Alex Hales, who actually had a really bad season. Uh, and then they kind of they kind of just rode their luck in the second half. They had um, Shakib and Harry Gurney both came in as replacements and did really well. Um, and they won the final thanks to um, Jonathan Carter scoring 50, who hadn't scored a run all season. Um, so, so it was quite a weird one um, in, in that sense, but there's definitely um, a lot to like about how they set up. I think the, the big question is going to be sort of what, what their balance is again. Um, you know, where does Jason Holder bat, for example? Does Shea, Hope, does Shea Hope open the batting? Does he end up taking up too many balls or will, will he be able to use the power play well? Um, will Corey Anderson's body hold up? He's barely played any cricket at all in the last couple of years, other than I think a, a few domestic games in New Zealand. Um, but when he gets going, we all know what he's capable of. Um, but yeah, I think in terms of a spin attack, you don't get a lot better than uh, Rashid Santner and Walsh Jr. And from a West Indies point of view, more generally, 
Uh, it'll be really interesting to see if Walsh can sort of learn a few tricks over the course of the year from Rashid. So before we go to Gaurav for more on the Barbados' spin attack, Matt, I'm going to stick with you because you mentioned Alex Hales and initially uh, until a few days ago even I thought that he was playing CPL but now it seems like there are no Englishmen in the league whatsoever. What's happened there? No, none at all. Quite a few originally signed up to the draft but um, most of them were sort of conditional on the T20 blast dates um, and that's now starting on August 27th, I think it is. Um, and basically with the quarantine rules, the idea of sort of coming in with a pay cut, I should have had um, for two weeks quarantine and then playing three or four games before flying home just didn't really make much sense. So uh, both both Gurney and Hales ended up uh, pulling out, uh, which is a bit of a shame. But equally, you know, it makes sense from their point of view that they'd rather play in there own domestic competition and sort of stay at home rather than be living in a hotel in Trinidad for eight weeks, I guess. Mm-hmm. So, Gaurav, have we, on the top of your head, have we ever seen 20 overs bowled by spin in a T20 match? And do you think the Barbados Tridents will attempt to do that? And No, I, uh, we haven't seen it and no, it's not going to happen. But like Matt has, I think, covered all the points very well. They were not favourites last year. On paper, they don't really look the team uh, which is going to go all the way. But the format allows you to uh, allows these kind of teams also to win because uh, of the semi and final format. So if they can somehow make it to the last four, anything can happen. But uh, I think it's going to revolve lots around these bowlers, uh, Rashid Santner and uh, Nurse uh, and Hayden Walsh. It's going to revolve lots around them. Their batting also is not too. Uh, uh, not very strong. So, uh, let's see uh, uh, how they shape up. Deva, you are a big fan of Mitch Santner. Is he your player to watch for the Barbados Titans? Of course, he is. Like like I told you, he's one of those gun-finger spinners who doesn't get the kind of credit he deserves. Like Somebody who bowls at Eden Park, like keeps all the big hitters quiet and just, he just does his job quietly and leaves. He doesn't even get enough games in the IPL as such and uh, doesn't didn't even get enough gigs in probably the Euroslam or the Global T20 Canada or the other league. So, I mean, I am really looking forward to that gun partnership, the finger spinner, wrist spinner partnership there with Rashid Khan. And of course, he can bat as well. So He's also, I guess, quite a good option to open the bowling because he does have that option where he either bowls like a carom ball or sort of almost a seam up ball um, and tries to swing the new ball, which is quite unusual, but it's a good sight. And I guess in a team with without too many obvious um, seamers, I suppose Holder and Raymond Reefer and maybe young uh, Keon Harding might be the, the seam options, really. Um, he's probably quite a good option to bowl two or three in the power play as well, which is a, a big ask. So from what I've got, you all seem a bit down on the Tridents. Is anyone uh, expecting them to retain their title on this panel? I think they'll be top four. Um, and, and because of the unpredictability, I don't want to don't want to rule them out completely. I think I think they'll probably finish third in the group. Um, yeah, I, th- I think they've got an outside chance. Put it that way. Okay, so Gaurav, let's move on to the next team in our preview then, and that is the Jamaica Talawas. And I guess it has to be all eyes on Dre Russ, or should I should I say Dangerous, which is what he has written on his bat now. Absolutely, and a lot of uh, changes happen in their squad. Uh, a lot of lot of them, like Chris Gale was supposed to play. Now they have a captain in Roman Powell. They've got Carlos Brathwaite, who is kind of uh, not uh, a cho- not a chosen one for many of the other franchises. Uh, they have a lot of players to uh, prove something. So Brathwaite has to prove that uh, he is capable of coming back to that West Indies team. So they have guys who are like. Uh, 
fairly motivated i i can say to and that helps usually in a in a team league like this you know a lot of individuals have their own individual goals and they come together and they actually do well as a team i've seen that happen quite a bit in the ipl so uh, blathwaite is one dreras obviously we all know about him their bowling also looks a bit strong uh, they have ashwin thomas they have mujib uh, they have pelmal uh, who's again a very experienced bowler they have lami chane so it's it's a very um, it's a good squad uh, at at first look when I, after the draft happened i was not too confident about the jamaica talawas uh, but now uh, as the tournament comes closer and as i look at their first 11 they seem to have all uh, bases covered and if they can um, lead for, if they have a good uh, captain i haven't seen norman powell captain too much he's actually captain the west indies uh, in a couple of uh, odis or t20s if i remember correctly so he does have some experience but uh, captaincy plays a big role Uh, you have two experienced guys in Carlos Bathwaite and Russell. All this can kind of uh, affect your captaincy. If you have more inputs from these people, these are small things, but it might affect the overall uh, tactics. So they have a good team. I'm actually very impressed with their bowling and their overall eleven. Uh, so uh, yeah, they might surprise uh, some of the other teams. Matt, did you see the photo that uh, Andre Russell put up recently? He's, I mean, he's holding he's holding two bats. There is dangerous. Uh, plastered on the face of each bat. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, it, I, I'm not sure how much attention teams will be paying to his his Twitter feed, but um, yeah, I mean, th- there is a big question as to where he bats, I suppose, because um, that that was sort of one of the big talking points in the 2019 IPL, wasn't it? Because he, he, there were quite a few times where he was stuck at number six or seven for KKR, and he gave a press conference saying, you know, maybe I should be batting four. um and i think the way that this team is set up there's every chance that he will bat for um because i think you know chadwick walton and glen phillips will probably open the batting but other than that there's a lot of sort of number 5s and 6s i think rovman powell will probably bat 5 um asif ali who's one to watch the sort of the finisher from pakistan that i think a lot of pakistan fans think is is flattered to deceive but his his numbers are really good in terms of striking at the death um he'll probably bat 6 so i think there's there's every possibility that russell will bat 4 um and if he does do that and if he does well then i think that's going to force kkr's hand and he might end up batting there in the ipl um and you know if, if i think if russell faces any more balls and still manages to to be in the sort of form that he's been in over the past 12 18 months then you know he's going he's just going to take t20 hitting to a completely new level they they've had a very stormy build up so to speak like with gail and sarwan and now sarwan leaving and Like Gaurav mentioned, like a lot of these guys, like I mean Russell and Rodman Power, for that matter, were both injured and sidelined from the league last season. And so I mean Russell being Russell is sure, but they just have a point or two to prove to everyone. And it's sort of I mean it's 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 not too dissimilar from the position that the West Indies international team was in in 2016 ahead of the World Cup. So basically, a lot was stacked against them, and then like. uh not too many people sort of gave them a chance and everything was against the team so that sort of roused them motivated them to come out and i mean i i i still see a possibility there as well and that is a blockbuster midloader which i'm looking at like rodman powell andre russell asif ali all six hitters it could still be boom or bust but i think talawas could be the team that could surprise us this season a uh, lot has been made about the talawas middle order but tabre shamsi of course is not making the trip to trinidad gorov how big a miss will he be uh, not really sure it's a really big miss yes uh, there's obviously uh, we'll miss the celebrations we'll miss the uh, 
the variety the magic tricks magic tricks and we'll miss the variety for sure in terms of his spin but uh, i think it's not going to be that big a miss they still have a pretty strong squad uh, they have sandeep lamichane who's again any of these mystery spinners usually do well in um, uh the caribbean uh, with mujib also that's a pretty strong uh, attack i would uh, i think any day pick mujib and sandeep over uh, shamsi so i think it's uh, a good uh, uh, solid team and one question i wanted to ask the boys is uh, how long before dreras joins tkr yeah i mean he's, he's yeah he's admitted that it's his, his last season at the talawas so yeah who knows maybe this is sort of the uh the last year when we'll have a sort of fully competitive league. But equally, I, I suppose we'll come on to the Zooks pretty soon. And it, I, I was expecting that after Kings Eleven's owners bought them, that they were sort of going to have a much stronger side than they seem to on paper. So I don't know, maybe we're, uh, maybe we're, we're, we're too, uh, too, maybe you're cynical in your old age, Gaurav. <laughs> so maybe, maybe we can see two things happen at once. Yeah, we can have Indians in the IPL and Russell going to TKR. So Russell will go to TKR and Dinesh Karthik will follow him and captain him in next year's CPL as well. That should be fun. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, okay, the last word on uh, the Jamaica Talawas, I'll give it to you, Gaurav. And Apart from Dreras, you have to tell me your one player to watch out for in this edition. I think Asif Ali. Uh, I I was very impressed with him uh, in the PSL as well as when he played for Pakistan. He can uh, really hit the ball well. He plays uh, uh, very well uh, in the Wii. Uh, it's going to be interesting. Again, he's a guy who wants to uh, make an impact and come back uh, to the Pakistan squad and be a regular there. So, I'm uh, very interested to see how Asif Ali goes. Deva, we'll move on to the next team, which is St. Kitts and Nevis Patriots. And Gaurav mentioned at the start that they've had a change of coaches as well. Simon Helmot tested positive for COVID-19, then couldn't travel. His assistant coach, Malolan Rangarajan, uh, has commitments, I think, with the RCB in the IPL. So, he's not made the trip. So, now they have replaced them by Courtney Walsh and Mark O'Donnell as their two coaches for the season. Is this Are these too many changes and... Do you see them getting back on track during the season? Yeah, I mean, too many changes. Of course, I agree with you. And and they lost another key player of theirs, uh, Rassi van der Dessen, the South African, who's again not making this trip this time because of the restrictions in South Africa. I think last time it was because of international commitments. And again, they picked up this uh, left-arm wrist spinner, Dennis Bully, who I believe Sheldon Cottrell suggested to him. They, uh, they used to work together in the Jamaica defence force and so there was this sort of a friendship goal thing which you could have looked forward to Cottrell and Dennis Bully bowling together but that is not happening either so it's just too many changes and and like Rassi's replacement if you look is a pretty much an unknown quantity and Nick, Nick Kelly from New Zealand uh, I think he scored a 50 in the Super Smash final like from whatever little I've watched of him like uh, he's a clean striker against Pacers but I'm not really sure how we measure up against quality spin in the CPL uh, but Matt, they do have, uh, if I'm not mistaken, the two Australians in uh, Chris Lynn and Ben Dunk. Now, Ben Dunk was the top scorer in the previous Zansi Super League. He then tallied 266 runs in seven innings at, at a strike rate of something like 186 in the PSL, which was the last T20 tournament before lockdown. Yeah, they. I mean, I think as Dave sort of alludes to, they have this... Um, bizarre looking squad really which I, I just can't really work out the combination and that is partly because of the fact that Alan's gone um, who, who is obviously so crucial to balancing a side because you can card him at number six or number seven 
he's guaranteed to score runs and he will probably bowl his four overs and he'll be brilliant in the field and it, everything works when you have Fabian Allen there. Um, but it, it, it looks really weird now because you have basically a load of top order batsmen and then a load of sort of specialist bowlers who can't really bat. Um, I was sort of trying to work out what their team was going to be for the first game. And I think you, you, you probably end up with sort of Sohail Tanvir at number seven, um, which isn't really what, um, isn't really what a, uh, a champion team is going to have. I think one of their problems as well is the fact that they've made, um, Riyad Emrit captain, the 39 year old, um, who I, I, I'm not sure should get into their first choice team on, on paper. Um, because they have quite a good bowling attack in Tanvir, Alzari Joseph, Ishodi and Cottrell. Um, but then, yeah, I, I'm not really sure what Emirates' role is going to be. Um, as you say, Lynn is obviously sort of flourishing in this late career patch. I think he, he was one of the, the great underrated buyers of the, the last IPL auction, actually. Um, and I'm sure we'll be looking for, looking to, uh, to sort of hone his game against spin, um, before going to the UAE to play for MI. Um, and then Dunk also, he, he's quite a crucial, player in the middle order because of the fact that he's so good against um, spin and in particular left arm spin. Um, and most of the other teams, if you look at them, have some kind of left arm spin option, whether that's sort of Carrie Pierre um, or uh, Santner or someone like that, that or uh, Hemraj in, in Guyana's case. There are quite a few left arm spinners in the tournament um, and he's unbelievably good against them. I think he strikes at 200 plus against left arm spin over his career. Um the one guy other than other than Nick Kelly, who David mentions, the one guy I'm looking forward to hopefully seeing get a go is Josh De Silva, um, who is the reserve wicketkeeper on the on the Test tour of England, and sort of seems to have a bit about him. Really, he was on the um, he, he was part of the West Indies emerging players team that sort of shocked everyone and won the regional Super 50, uh, and he he got into the the Red Bull team ahead of Dinesh Ramdin this year as well. He's he's a 22 year old. Um, and probably has a decent chance of getting a spot in the middle order. So yeah, fingers crossed. We'll uh, we'll get to see a bit of him before the season's out. G stats, put your coaching hat on now. Matt has expressed concern about the transition from batters to bowlers. In the Patriots is eleven. Is there a way they can make it work? Yeah. Before I answer that, can you guys guess what is the age of Sohail Tanvir? Thirty. Thirty-seven. Is he touch touching forty? That's what I thought, but he's just 35. So he's still he's still pretty relevant. He's still one of the uh, really good T20 bowlers. Uh, he has a great record. I think he's in the what top five wicket takers all time T20s. I guess uh, he's he's really good. So uh, yeah, and he's a good handy batter also. So he's the person whom uh, I'm eagerly waiting to watch in Send Kids. But uh, to answer your question, Karthik, I think. Um, Matt's spot on. A lot of changes have happened to the original squad. A lot of uh, uh, good players. They had a good balance. Fabian Allen missing out completely kills that middle order. So uh, they have to do a lot of changes. They have to figure out a way to really bank on one aspect. That's what I would do. Uh, uh, either get your batting full strength or get your bowling uh, at the maximum strength and bank on one skill and try to do mediocre in the other and try to get across the line. What I mean is, uh, if you think that your batting is strong, uh, then Lynn, Lewis, Dunk, uh, they have to do uh, the primary of the hitting and primary runs they have to score. And if they feel the bowling is just turned, they have to figure out a way that uh, they keep the uh, uh, 
the bat the opposition batsman to a much lower score and uh, try to uh, do well yeah so one aspect has to come out really uh, much much stronger than the other uh, aspect that's what i think i would do because uh, literally the middle order is uh, not uh, existent and our final team in our cpl preview is of course the saint lucia zooks i'm going to read out a comment i think this year's cpl should allow the zooks to start with four points matt who said that and why it was um it's dj bravo on instagram after they uh they basically lost i think four of their draft picks they were uh riley Rousseau, colin ingram and rick norkia and nor ahmed the uh the i think what is he teenage 15 or 16 year old supposedly afghan wrist spinner um but yeah they they look pretty weak on paper to be honest but from from the moment the uh the king's 11 owners bought them i was sure that they were going to you know, make a whole load of good moves this year and suddenly become a good team, having been nowhere for a long time. But their side on paper just doesn't look great to me, to be honest. I can't really work out what their strong suit is, whether it's meant to be batting or bowling. Um, and I, I'm, I'm sort of struggling to see how they're not going to finish bottom. Um, just sort of looking through, I guess the, the, the crucial players will be Andre Fletcher, uh, the Spice Man, who's, who's, you know, I think he's some one of the top run scorers in CPL history. Um then Nabby obviously is is a crucial purchase because he can bat four, five, six, something like that, and also bowl four overs. Um and then you know, maybe if we're clutching at straws, maybe Zahir Khan, the wrist spinner, or maybe Keswick Williams with his notebook. At least they'll be exciting to watch if nothing else. But yeah, honestly I, I I don't think this is a great T twenty team by any means. And I think if you sort of look across the rest of the league, I'm I'm struggling to see how it um finishes other anywhere other than six i i don't even see them making it uh i mean the way up for them is from the bottom but i i don't give them much hope to look at this team and scott kugeline like i don't know like how he even found a deal here he, he got a gig with csk he got one game and then he was pretty bad he isn't part of the new zealand setup as well and and roston chase again like uh he did play for the zoops a few years back and then like now because of the availability issues, he's back again, but I don't see him as a, as a top order or a middle order T20I batsman. And again, of course, Rakim Cornwall up at the top, we, we won't see him with Gale, but otherwise I don't give this team much hope. Gaurav, do you concur? Yep, absolutely. There's not much more to say there. Is it, is it, will it matter that uh, Darren Sammy may have probably irritated a few of his compatriots with with his comments about certain teams getting more time of training and everyone will probably go all out and make sure that the zooks finish last <laughs> i think it's fair in his uh, his comment was fair i think that i have to give it to him but um, yeah saint lucia did lose a lot of players and um, i think even they actually got two replacement players who couldn't fly out from australia so they've had a lot of issues so i think uh, it's better the management uh, look to start clean from next season and uh, try to see the best they can do but as matt said again this format is so fickle that you can f- maybe even qualify with two wins if some teams are very dominant or three wins make make it to the fourth spot and then have two really good days and uh, uh, win the title so we've seen that happening before so we can't really rule any team out but uh, if you ask me both St Kitts and St Lucia uh, may not uh, finish in the top 4 Matt you see uh, one ray of hope for the Zooks though and that is Najibullah Zadran Yeah I, I I don't know really I'm just curious to watch him as much as anything I think I've not seen as much of him as I would have liked um but he's sort of 
I don't know. He didn't have a great season in the Bangladesh Premier League, but he, he's got a good strike rate over the last few years. He's sort of this this middle order guy from Afghanistan, and I don't know. Maybe this is a chance for him to make a bit more of a name for himself. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I'll I'll throw over to Gorav. I don't know. Do you think Najib could be the uh, could be that key? I see. Again, he's very talented, and um, he's we, people expect a lot, but they have to they they have to have played in such situations a lot before they don't have that kind of experience uh, we don't know what messaging would go across in terms of his role so uh, yeah let's see if he can surprise people yeah but i'm not too uh, sure excellent so listener those are our six teams in the caribbean premier league for 2020 now matt deva and gorav i'm going to ask a couple of things from you and first up is predictions matt you have to predict a winner um this is the year the curse is finally lifted um Bota and the boys bring it home for Guyana so Matt's going with Guyana Amazon Warriors to win CPL 2020 without a crowd of course Deva what about you like i predicted last season like i mean it didn't it didn't work out in the end but i i have to go to DKR you just can't look past their experience DJ Bravo and Polar to do it together this time I have a feeling Gaurav is going to concur with you. You understood me perfectly. I think I'm boring and I have a very uh, boring uh, prediction. Yes, TKR uh, should go all the way, but a dark horse, if you want me to uh, call it, uh, I would say Jamaica Talavas. And to the three of you all again, Gaurav, this time we'll start with you first. Who is the maybe the two players that you're looking forward to the most? Maybe one overseas and one local talent. Uh, local, I'm actually looking forward for Keon Harding. uh from Barbados Trident's he's never played a T20 match but a lot is expected out of him heard a lot about him seen a, a few uh, uh, balls on online uh, he is pretty quick so um hopefully he gets a, gets a few games and uh, we get to see the best of him um in terms of young west indian talent that's what i'm looking forward to overseas uh, there a lot of players and um, i really don't know whom uh, one person to pick maybe tim seifert I think uh, Tim Seifert has been pretty good. He's been uh, uh, playing for New Zealand for quite some time. He has a wide range of strokes. Uh, uh, let's my one prediction is maybe he's going to score uh, the quickest hundred of this season. Like Gorav said, he's got all those funky scoop sweeps and reverse sweeps, and like I think he's going to and and of course like uh, Brendan McCallum, who he works with and who is his coach at TKR now rates him pretty highly. So I've seen. Uh, sort of have a productive stint and make it to the IPL next year. And a local player which I'm looking forward to, I, I mean, like I'm picking not a emerging player but someone who's already played for West Indies and even captain them in Bangladesh, Robman Powell. But he's had his fair share of injuries recently and he's just feeling his way back into the West Indies team. And I would really look forward to see him juggle batting, bowling, captaincy, and hopefully he's the one who surprises us for the Talavas. Matt, what about you? Pick your two. Um, I'll, I'll stick with my Guyana theme. I think uh, for the domestic player, I think Nicholas Puran. I'm hoping that he he gets a, a real chance, which he didn't really last year to face a lot of balls and hit them out of the park. Um, and then yeah, same theme again. I'm looking forward to seeing how Chris Green goes. I've uh, I've been a big fan of his over the past few years, um, but I've obviously no one's seen him publicly since he uh, since he remodelled his action. Um so yeah really interested to see if he's still um quite as effective as he has been whether he still bowls his variations and his quicker balls um so yeah if those two fire then it's i i think uh, Guyana have every chance 
And finally, Gaurav Deva and Matt, what's the one thing to watch out for in CPL 2020? It can be maybe the ambient sounds that will come. It can be a player. It can be a team. It can just be watching T20 cricket without 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 fans, which will be a strange experience in itself. <laughs> Interesting question. Um, I would be more curious to see uh, how the dominance of TKR. I know, and again, coming back to that, but I think watching Bravo, Pollard, Narayan play together, it's been a long time uh, since uh, uh, they, those three played together. I think it's going to be really exciting to see three T20 stalwarts uh, and T20 greats, if I may call, uh, play together. So I'm actually personally looking forward to watching all their games. Matt, final word with you. Uh, it's it's going to be Jermaine Blackwood. We've not spoken about him yet. I can't believe he doesn't play more T20 cricket than he does. He's in the Talaras squad. There's an outside chance he'll get a game or two. And if he does, we know what he's like. He, he produces fireworks. So, fingers crossed we get to see him. Uh, and maybe this is the start of a, a late career flourish for him. So, going by what has been said during this podcast, uh, Trinbago Knight Riders versus Guyana Amazon Warriors will start the tournament. And it is very likely that that will be the final as well. Listener, this has been a long one, but we hope that it has been a pleasure to listen to. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, Deva. Thank you, Gaurav. End-to-end coverage of the Caribbean Premier League will be on ESPNCrickInfo.com. Thank you once again for joining us on Stuff Mike.